Coming up on the Book Guys show, writing duo Michael Stanley, authors of Deadly Harvest. Also, special guest co-host Pat Dwelling, co-author of Judge Not. And uh, before we start the show, Sir Jimmy, I got something to tell you. I love all three Star Wars movies. Well, wait a minute. I got something to tell you, man. I haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks. I've missed everybody. And I want to tell you, I love you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I got to tell you, man. You're not just a friend. You're my best friend, Red Solo Cup. <laughs> I fill you up. Let's have a party. Proceed to party. <laughs> Coming up on the Book Guys show. Stay tuned. Book Guys Show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. This is the Book Guys Show, episode 79. My name is Paul Alves, and I'm joined once again by a great panel of book lovers, book aficionados, comic book lovers, all kinds of people, and an author that's actually two people. I'm joined today by Pat Flowelling, all the way from CrimeWritersCanada.com. How are you doing, Pat? Not bad. Yourself? Very well, very well. You know who else is with us? Sir Jimmy, wearing a funky Woo-hoo. shirt. Fantastic. Hello, everybody. Good to be back. And we're joined today by writer Michael Stanley, author of Deadly Harvest. And I'm going to let you all in on a secret. It's actually two people. It's actually the dynamic duo of Michael Sears and Stanley Trollope. How are you doing, gentlemen? We're fine, thank you. It's good to be on your show. Thanks very much. Very glad to have you. That's Michael with the beard. Michael with the beard. And Stanley without the beard. <laughs> uh, correct. And, that, and very little hair at the moment. Well, yeah, me too. It's just it's <laughs> the hat, you know, it works. And gentlemen, we're going to start the show off today, like we always do, with book news. Book news. McLean's publishes Inside Story on Chris Hat. Chris Hatfield mission. If you're experiencing withdrawal since the, uh, the astronaut, the Canadian astronaut came back just a couple of days ago. Don't worry. McLean's has you covered. The Canadian magazine is going to be featuring a story on Chris Hatfield called Good Morning Earth. Uh, it's an ebook being released by McLean's by reporter Kate Lunau. Uh, the book combines her original reporting from NASA's uh, Johnson Space Center with Hatfield's own Twitter and you know, Reddit feeds. Uh, his, this astronaut, should you, maybe you follow this guy? He's been all over like social media, Twitter. I mean, he's doing what NASA and the CSA, the Canadian Space Agency, hasn't done in, in decades. He's out there and uh, he's promoting and he's got a new video out. And I'm going to play that for just a little clip of that for our audience right now. So he gets back from the space station and what does he come, get back with? He comes back with 
a version of David Bowie's Space Oddity, written, played by him, sang by him, recorded by him on his like tablets and phones. It's brilliant. I mean, this is the de facto version of this song, I think, now. Ground control to Major Tom. Absolutely no special effects used. It's brilliant. Uh, I'm going to put a link on the show notes and at bookguys.ca for our listeners to check this out. I'm going to stop playing it now because, you know, YouTube's going to pull us down again. Oh, I love that song. It's brilliant. I mean, just the, the promotion that the NASA and the CSA and the space station and the whole space programs of all of North America are getting out of this is wonderful. And I'm looking forward to his new book. Check it out. I want to see him on TV. I really hope Discovery picks him up and gives him his own TV show. I really do. What else is happening, Sir Jimmy? Well, let's say the U.S. alleges that Apple and a publisher colluded to fix book prices. Uh, Apple engaged in a horizontal price-fixing scheme with some of the U.S.'s largest publishers to violate antitrust laws by working to, quote, strip retailers of pricing authority. The U.S. Justice Department said in a court filing, the department's antitrust division filed papers for a trial set to begin June 3rd in federal court in Manhattan that included excerpts of emails and depositions of Apple executives, including the company's late founder, Steve Jobs, and senior vice president, Eddie Q, and publishing executives. We'll stay I'm sure on this it. comes as a surprise to no one. Right, we'll stay mm -hmm. on it and we'll see, we'll see how this works out, but we're going to move on to... Books on film and television. So, um, World War, is it World War Z or is it World War Z? In Canada, it's World War Z, Z, yeah. Yeah, so World War Z writer says that the movie itself, the only thing that's similar between the book and the movie is the title. And that's it. So apparently, uh, if you're a fan of the novel, uh, of the, uh, that the movie is actually based on, uh, you'll have some pretty bad news when you go watch the movie. Uh, during a recent interview at Mansfield University, World War Z author Max Brooks was asked about his novel's adaptation to the big screen, and he said he expects the, the film will have the same title, and that's it. But Brooks doesn't sound too angry about all the changes the screenwriters may have heaped on this baby. As the son of legendary writer, director, slash comedian Mel Brooks and Oscar-winning actress Anne Bancroft, he knows how Hollywood works. So kudos to him. Yeah, you know, the, we talked about this earlier on the show a couple months ago, and I just I saw the trailers and Brad Pitt's involvement, and I said, that has nothing to do with the book, and apparently... The writer agrees with me. And we're going to quickly go on to the rest of our book news, which is... Comic books, comic books, comic books. Comic book news. Marvel Unlimited. That's that, uh, the program where you can pay $9 a month and read as many comic books as you want is now available for Android. According to our friends at AndroidCentral.com, uh, comic fans are sure to be excited for this one. Uh, it's finally made, made its way to Android. Uh, having been on iOS for many months now, uh, it's finally Android users' turn to dive into the 70 years worth of content. That's over 13,000 back issues that are available in this. And I think this is a great deal for you, Pat. I know you're spending all your money on Comixology, but you might want to think about the $9 a month, $9.99. That gets you a limited reading. Just saying. I'm thinking I should just give you my paychecks from now on and you buy all my stuff for me. <laughs> but you know, Pat, there's two comic books that you won't be able to get soon on the Comixology. What's that? Take a look on your screen. 
That's true. <laughs> because DC, the new 52, is down to the new 50. Because two of the original new 52 titles, not so new anymore, uh, Demon Knights and Legion of Superheroes, will end with issue 23. The critical, excuse me, the critical response for Demon Knights was strong, but neither story title generated enough sales. So um, back to the, uh, the whole money factor. Dial H and Threshold will end in the same month which is with issues 15 and 8, respectively. And we're going to take a quick break and talk about our friends at Audible. <laughs> Sorry, Pat, I know we got you hooked. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, Audible is just a great way to, uh, I wouldn't say replace reading. The, the, you know, we always want to read printed book or on your tablet. But for those times when you can't hold a, ta a tablet or a book, when you're in your car and your commute, when you're mowing the lawn, you know, when you're controlling the space station, whatever, you can just put in your headphones and still get another you know, book or two out a week. It costs me a fortune because I buy a lot of books. But you can get them. Uh, try it out for free, first of all. Over 135,000 titles. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible or audibletrial.com slash bookguys. They'll give you a, a free trial. and You can do a monthly plan, gold or platinum, where you get a, a credit. That's how it works. So are you using the credits, Pat, or are you just doing buying off the shelf? Uh, no, I'm using the credits at the moment because I've got some of the big Audible books right now. Yes. So. See, here's a tip, folks. Do what I do. I'm greedy. So I get my credit that I pay for. It's, it's, I think it's like 19. What is it? What is it a month for the gold plan? I think it was 19 for the gold. You get two credits, I think? You get two credits. Buy the biggest book you can, like 70 hours of entertainment. And then... You know, if you want to add on stuff, get, get the eight, seven, eight dollar ones. But you know what? If you're going to get Atlas Shrugged, get it on your credit. It's like 70 hours of listening. It's great. Check them out, audibletrial.com slash bookeyes. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and we'll talk about what we're reading. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka and you're listening to the book guys. Hey, Paul. This is Orson Scott Card. I thought I was the book guy. Now I find out you're the book guy. What am I? Oh, I guess I'm just the author of Ender's Game, okay? We're back. We were hunting for Padre in the middle of the break, but couldn't find him. Maybe he'll pop up later. Who knows? Uh, so, lady and gentlemen, well, let's talk about what we're reading. Sir Jimmy, what's on your table? What's being hollowed out or read? Well, I've got, I've got two books here that go great together. Uh, ooh. The Book of the Black Bass... And judge not by uh, somebody and uh, Pat, Pat Fluelling. I think I know her. I just got this in the mail yesterday. Oh, it smells new. You know that smell of a new book? It's Jimmy, fantastic. Jimmy, I have this gotten one, through uh, you gotta the read that so one. far. I'm taking it with right. me tomorrow to read in the park as I'm having a day off. And I'm going to take the book of the black bass with me uh, to keep me company. Um, so... That's what I'm keeping close. You crazy Americans. This is how we do it in Canada. Just saying. <laughs> hey, Pat, what are you reading? Believe it or not, uh, I am actually listening to a book on audible.com, something called uh, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. I think, I think I, it sounds familiar. I know. I'm about a quarter of the way. I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. Don't watch the trailer. Don't watch the trailer. Don't watch the movie. The trailer for the movie literally spoil, spoils the book in about the first 10 seconds. 
All right. I will not watch the trailer. Big pet peeve here on the Book Guys show. Don't spoil the whole book in the trailer for the movie. Oh. <laughs> hey, Michael, what are you reading? Uh, right now, I'm not reading anything because we've been driving from one part of the United States to the other. But oh. I just finished a book by Joanne Hitchens, who's a South African... No, I beg your pardon, Joanne... Richards. Richards, who's a South African writer, and it's called The Imagined Child, and it's, uh, it's a literary novel, and uh, I thought it was very good. Brilliant. So you guys are traveling all the way. I mean, I know you're doing a lot of stuff on Skype, I'm, I'm assuming. We were talking before the show that you, you do the work, you actually collaborate on Skype, but do you do a lot of uh, interviews and book tour type thing on Skype as well? Not so much on the book tour, but one of the things we like to do is to hook in with book clubs who've read one of our books and then uh, chat to them um, about that. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, that saves a lot of gas, you know. It does, but it <laughs> means that sometimes we're up at two in the morning in South Africa to catch the people right. here at a reasonable time. Right. So you, you guys, I know you're in Michigan now and you're rarely together in the same place, but uh, where, where do you normally live? Where, where's Michael? Where are you from? I live in Johannesburg. Uh, I was born in Johannesburg and grew up there. I spent some time in Australia as well and in Kenya. Uh, and I used to spend quite a lot of time visiting the University of Minnesota. But Johannesburg is, is my home. And I was born in Johannesburg and went to the States to do graduate work in 1971 and uh, stayed here and then retired in 1920. What was it? 2003. I get my centuries wrong. And now I split my time between Minneapolis and a little town on the Indian Ocean near Cape Town. Nice. And Stanley, is there anything on, your, uh, anything on your Kindle or on your bookshelf? Yeah, I'm reading two books. I'm reading a book by a French author whose name I don't remember. It's called Bed of Nails. And the other one is I'm finishing up Our Man in uh, Havana by Graham Greene. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, we spent all this time talking about all these books that we're reading. What about the book that you wrote? Of course, you guys are the authors of Deadly Harvest, which is your, your latest novel. Uh, tell us a bit about the story. What's it about? Well, all of our books are set in Botswana, um, and each one is set against a backstory that's significant in Southern Africa at, at the moment, current, current issues. And in the case of Deadly Harvest, the backstory is the pervasive belief in witchcraft in Southern Africa, in fact, basically in sub-Saharan Africa. And um, some of the, the so-called witch doctors who are involved in this, a very few, uh, go to the extreme of actually using human body parts in their, in their black magic potions. Wow. And a few of those um, actually will kidnap and murder people for the body parts. So the, that's the backstory. Uh, in, our, in our book, our detective, whose nickname is Kubu, which means hippopotamus in the um, local Setswana language, and maybe we'll talk a bit more about him later on, but he has to take on uh, a particular witch doctor who's believed to be invisible, and he has to try and track down um, this, this really fiendish character who's been causing uh, the deaths of, of individuals in the country. And one of the this is a this is a real this is a real backstory. This is not something we made up, unfortunately. And um, one of the difficulties that the police have in dealing with cases like this is it's a bit like this, the old serial killer problem. You know, there's no obvious connection between the victim and the perpetrator right. of the of the uh, killing. 
So it's very hard to make the links between the, the, the missing person and the culprit. Uh, beyond that, the police and witnesses are themselves pretty concerned about the power that the witch doctors may have and don't really want to get into it in too much detail. So uh, it's easy to just let these things slide and not, not get to the bottom of them. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of stories that, uh, the, you know, the witch doctors, they, they treasure albinos, and we've heard a lot of stories about uh, albinos not being safe at all in, in Southern Africa. Is, is, um, is, is that the case? That's definitely the case, and, and the country that has the worst record for killing albinos for body parts is Tanzania, actually, because wow. apparently there's quite a high level of albinism there. Hmm. So, so, so we'll talk a little bit about Kubu. Kubu is an interesting character. Now, now Kubu, yeah, Kubu was an accidental protagonist. Um, when we started writing in 2003, we had never written any fiction before. And we were told that we should write about things we knew. And since both of us are or were professors, we thought we'd just make a professor the main character of our books. And mm -hmm. so in the first chapter of our first book, um, there's a professor who stumbles across a human body that's not quite been consumed by a hyena. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The... Um, when you have a murder, wherever it is, you have to get the police involved. And so in chapter two or three, I don't remember, we brought this policeman from the capital of Botswana, Khabarone, to the camp where the body was found. And he sort of set off and he had his lunch packed because he likes to eat and he was singing on the way and in his sort of big dirty Land Rover. And by the time he reached the body, he had sort of taken over the main role. And the poor professor was sort of put down, you know, which is quite typical, I think. <laughs> I, I, love the, I love the name, The Accidental Protagonist. I think that's a great title for a book. It sounds like John le Carre <laughs> or something like that. I love it. It's very prolific. I love it. <laughs> Maybe a future novel, Kubu, The Accidental Protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is this something you, you, uh, you both grew up around or is something you researched later? I, I mean, you write about what you know. I know you know about South Africa, but uh, was witchcraft uh, uh, you know, around you when you were children? Well, to some extent, that's true because a lot of the people that you interact with with uh, in South Africa have come from a culture that has some uh, belief or residual belief, at least in in these types of uh, these types of things. Um, we always say, you know, well, how would any of us feel if we came home and we saw what was obviously a genuine voodoo doll, complete with pins stuck into it, sitting on our on our bed, let's say. Uh, you might say, oh, it's nonsense, you know, it's a childish prank. But I think we'd still feel a little bit uncomfortable. So even educated people in Southern Africa have got this residual concern about, about witch, witchcraft, and that's, that's on, the, on the one extreme. On the other extreme, there's very deep and, and convinced belief in it. So Deadly Harvest, uh, is there somewhere folks can go and, and learn about the series or website for... Michael Stanley? Yeah, we have a, a website. It's called www.detectivekubu.com and Kubu, K-U-B-U, um, is the name, the nickname of our protagonist. And in the local Setswana language, it means a hippopotamus because he's a I very was, large man. 
I was just about to ask you, is the book been published in Setswana? Do you have a readership base in Botswana itself? or We have people who read their, our books there, but the, the reading population is very, very small. There are less than two, two million people in the entire country, and so it's read there in English. I love the language. Which is the official language of the country, by the way. <laughs> I love the language, uh, uh, just Kubu, that's brilliant. <laughs> so English is the official language, but Setswana is spoken by the majority of the people, right? Yes. Um, having written in somewhat of a collaboration as well, I'm really interested to hear about how you two collaborated on this book, who wrote what and how did you do it? I know that you did a lot of meetings by Skype, but when it came down to actually putting words on paper, who done it? Well, basically, as, as you say, when it comes to designing the book or plotting it, setting up the structure and the characters and so on, we tend to do that when we're together and we spend quite a bit of time in Botswana um, meeting people, talking to people, looking at places. We never write about any place in Botswana that we haven't been. So th the structure, and we vary between the so-called plotters who, who try and set everything out in detail and the pencers who do it by the seat of their pants depending on which book and what section of the uh, of the book we're working on. Um, we'll do that when we're together or on Skype. We'll spend time chatting on Skype about it. When it actually comes to writing the words, then what we tend to do is we pick different, different chapters, perhaps, or different sections of a chapter. And um, let's say I would say, all right, well, I'll have the first go at that and see uh, what I can make of it, and I do a draft. And uh, sometimes we joke that we work 24 hours a day because if Stan's in Minneapolis and I'm in Johannesburg, then we can leverage the <laughs> time difference. Yes. So I do it during the day and send it over to Stan just as he's getting up in the morning. Brilliant. And then, and I'll be doing the opposite. And then when I get Michael's, for example, I will read through it and, and make extensive comments on it. And I will uh, say these areas I like a lot. Um, I'm not sure that the wording of this part uh, gets across what, what you want to. Um, uh, there'll be parts that I say, this really is rubbish, just throw it out. And, uh, and, and there, are, it, there are things that you may want to consider adding to, the, to the, the chapter, particularly if I have an idea for a setup for something later in the book. I'll say, why don't you put this in here because we can use that at a later stage. Um, as, a, as a red herring or a clue or, or something like that. And then when I finish that, I send the, the red dripping, red blood <laughs> dripping uh, manuscript back to Michael. Yeah, and then I wake up in the morning and I look at this thing and there may be half a dozen words that I've written that haven't been changed. So, you know, first I tear my hair and Stan has already lost all his hair as a result of being on the other side of this process. And, uh, and then I read through it and I take some of the comments and some things I'm, I'm a bit dubious about. But generally, when I think it through, I'm pretty happy with most of what he's done, but not everything. There are some things that the things just require slight rewording as a result of, of, what, of what we've uh, done between us. But there's one thing that we find universally. And that is if there's some little piece of writing in the chapter that we really think is really good, that really sort of captures the, the spirit of the moment in the chapter. 
it's always completely deleted by the other person. <laughs> but it sounds like you, you write sort of, you're writing in the same mindset that, that a, a script writer for television would because you, you're working within the, the, the framework that you've put together collaboratively and then you, you've got uh, you know, a synopsis for what happens in the chapter, what happens at the end and you're, you're, is that what's happening? You're filling in what's going on not not always. Um, Maybe I'm not expressing myself right. It's like 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 when Neil Gaiman writes an episode of Doctor Who, he's got a set framework. Well, you can't do this to the character because in the next episode, this has to happen. You can't take this character a certain way, but you can set up a plot point for an episode four chapters down. Is that kind of what's happening? So you're setting each other up? Well, sometimes. I mean, at the moment, uh, I think we're working on the, the fifth uh, Kubu book, and we're actually just writing, and we're not quite sure where it's going or um, who's going to do what to whom. And, that, and it's sort of exciting to do that. And, and generally, we, we get to the end. And, and uh, so far, the uh, getting to the end has been relatively successful in terms of what other people have thought. So are you in the One of the examples that I could just give you with our second book, and that was the one where we, we plotted it out pretty carefully, but nevertheless, there was one chapter that I was writing the draft of where the character was supposed to get arrested by the police. When Stan got the chapter back, the character had been killed. <laughs> We're still <laughs> working together. <laughs> you're so your writing, style is, your writing style is a lot like life itself. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're fortunate that the words we use tend to be more or less the same, so we don't have a huge problem in in uh, melding the two styles. And we actually think that maybe half the sentences in our books have words from both of us. Nice. <laughs> so a lot of red ink later. You're, you're four books in. Working on your fifth now or you're just taking yeah. a break? Working on it now. Can you tell I us anything? Are you working on it now? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell us anything about it? Little hint? Little clue? Um, well, it's, it's, a it's a difficult topic. There's a lot of new colonizing of Africa from the East, and it's looking at uh, some of the issues that that is causing in Africa at the moment. A lot of, lot of tension and uh, a lot of uh, angst and, and so on. So that's the sort of going to be the undercurrent of the story. DetectiveKubu.com now I know how to spell Kubu. I learned something today. And pronounce it. And pronounce it. <laughs> Brilliant, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk to Book News. Uh, thank you so much. You've been very patient today with all our... We appreciate uh, having us and uh, <laughs> certainly enjoyed being with all of you. It's been a pleasure. Thank it's been, you. It's been a pleasure. Take care, gentlemen. We'll see you again soon for the next uh, Kubu book, for sure. Yeah. DetectiveKubu. Com. Check it out, folks. Really cool. So we're back. It's a tight-knit group now. We're talking about the week's book news and stuff. So, Sir Jimmy, our bet continues. Iron Man 3 is making a bajillion dollars. I have no yes, idea what... I'm, I'm sitting here looking it up. I think... Let's see. Iron Man 3 to pass the $1 billion milestone, and I'm I'm looking here on thenumbers.com, and it says that all of the uh, Superman movies, like since 1978, have made 
like less than that. So I think that's twenty dollars in the bank. Now is that twenty dollars Canadian or American? Well, we'll just go with whoever has the highest exchange rate. Yeah, listen, I I got a twenty Canadian right here for you, buddy. Uh, All right, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen, need change here. I've got uh, if if you want an American one, I'm okay with that because I could you know I could use the break you know keep a dollar, but. <laughs> Man of Steel is still going to make more money worldwide. I'm just saying. Hey, you know what's really cool? I uh, found out. You remember we were talking to uh, Jeff Gurner when he was doing all that work on Grand Theft Auto 4 and 3 and all the things he's done, Max Payne, and how he got yep. into the suit and all that. Apparently, technology's come a long way since then. I'm just checking to make sure we're recording. We're recording. So we've come a long way since then. Apparently, when Robert Downey Jr. broke his leg on the Iron Man 3 set, and he was out for like a month, all they did was they brought in a body actor to do all his scenes. And they put in his face in 3D uh, in graphics. They actually overlaid uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s face onto the, the body actor. Not Robert Downey Jr., uh, not his face, his digital face. So something like 10% of that movie, when you think you're watching Robert Downey Jr. talk or do acrobatics... It's not Robert Downey Jr. It's just his voice, only his voice. So for 10% of the movie, he's just an audiobook narrator, pretty much. And oh. I watched the movie, I couldn't tell. I, you I think, think I could get some, like, some work, uh, like in Castaway 2, maybe, if Tom Hanks gets like, hit by a garbage truck? Hey, Sir Jimmy, if you ever break your leg and you can't be on the Book Guys show, we'll replace you with like a houseplant or something. Hey. <laughs> as long as it's got a cool shirt on. Like, what is that? That's cool, man. Sir Jimmy. That is just a hypnotic shirt, man. <laughs> Psychedelic. So, so yeah, you know, you know what, Pat? I really think we're close to the point where they can just fire all the actors and you know have a three D. Well, look what they did already in Captain America. Yeah. I mean, that was fantastic. Can you actually tell when his face was actually plastered on? Could not. I even saw the behind the scenes. Still, could not believe it. It's fantastic what they can do these days. So book news, we're talking about uh, Chris Hadfield. Again, amazing. I mean, I, I got to say, I can't think of uh, the last 10, 20 years, I cannot think of an astronaut's name, male or female. Name me one astronaut that's been up in the last 10 years other than Chris Hadfield. Sally Ride. <laughs> hey, you're Googling. <laughs> Get off the Google. Get off the Google. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I, I, I think that was way before 10 years ago. I don't know. But we got to give kudos to, to Mr. Hadfield for, for doing all the Twitter work that, that he's been doing. He's been out on the social media. Uh, he's obviously a really cool guy. Apparently, when he landed, they landed in Kazakhstan. Um, they crowned him the king of Kazakhstan. And I'm going I'm to pull up that picture. I'll put it up on the screen for the folks at home. But really cool. They, they, they gave him a scepter and a crown and everything. You know? And a guitar or whatever that stringed instrument was. I want to see him play his next video with that. Now, I don't know if uh, I see on the video, it does have the CSA logo at the top left-hand corner. So I'm guessing that the Canadian Space Agency has the rights to the video. And probably David Bowie has a little bit of a chunk in there somewhere. That's why we didn't play the whole video. Please, David YouTube. Bowie sold yeah. all, of his, all of his rights, I believe, years ago. He, he did. He did. He retired for a while, yes. Now he's back uh, with his new album. You're right. Yeah, he, he sold all his rights, took uh, like a bajillion dollars, and... Went off to you know deserted island somewhere, but uh, whoever owns David Bowie's rights making going to make a fortune off this because I can see it. I don't even know it, it might be on iTunes right now as we speak, as an audio. Because hey, the man has some pipes. 
You got to imagine I mean, it's probably a really nice studio. There's no ambient noise or anything. It's yeah. probably perfect. No kidding. And you know, I, I, I forgot what he said during the interview. But he's like, well, what else am I going to do up here? You know, really? Like, you know, free time. First of all, they don't get much free time. It's usually sleeping time because they've always got, you know, experiments to do and, you know, actually making sure the space station stays in one piece, fixing ammonia leaks. And, uh, you know, other than, you know, peeing and pooing in a bag. But you know what? He actually played all the instruments. He did the whole thing, recorded it himself. Uh, he does the little twirl with the guitar. It's great. And no special you know effects. He did so many experiments that kids would be interested in too. I mean, there was once he squirted a big uh, drink, a big gob of drinking water into his <laughs> eye, and he just had a hanging on his eye that was disgusting. Which, as a kid, I would have been fascinated with. If we have more people like that, we'd have more kids in school. No, and I think the the realness of it is what makes it so cool. Because that's actually the Earth behind him. He's actually doing, you know, when when he's singing the part about you know I'm floating in an awkward way. He actually floats in an awkward way. Um, just looking at Sir Jimmy, since he looked like Tom Hanks, just reminded me of uh, the Apollo 13 movie. The reason that movie was, you know, visually stunning is they actually filmed it in, in zero gravity. They did something like 400 trips on... In the uh, Vomit Comet? No, in, yeah, in, in a, yeah, in the plane, uh, the large carrier plane that goes up and goes down. It actually, you get like four minutes of uh, anti-grav at a time. So, they, yeah, there you That's go. Right. Uh, we have a problem. So they actually they filmed that movie in three minute segments. So they built a set of the Apollo 13 in, in like a jet carrier that would go up, and then action. They had three minutes to do the scene, and then they'd fly back down. Tom Hanks probably vomited quite a few times. Not pretty. <laughs> so. Pat, I'm surprised that you have any time to spend with this because I uh, hear you got a little bit of a problem with um, something called comicsology. Oh, between comicsology and now this Marvel Unlimited. This is, this is not fair. My time is gone and all my money with it. I, I Believe it or not, I actually had never heard of comicsology until the Skull Kickers episode. <laughs> I think that's now 64. Um, but I decided I wanted to check it out and see if I could get caught up on some back issues. Sure enough, they were all there. They didn't have a lot of She-Hulk. And now you tell me about Marvel Unlimited. So <laughs> I, I'm done for. You know I mean, what? I'm a huge Flash fan, and now the She-Hulk, and yeah. So since I'm we're done. since we're, we're about to nerd out, here we go. Because comicsology is not possible without technology. So, so yeah, well, what, do you, uh, what do you read the comicsology on? Uh, right now, I could either read it on my iPad or on uh, on my computer. So I prefer that as opposed to my tiny itty bitty iPhone. I felt so stupid when the Comicsology guys were on, and it's the first time I found out there's an actual website. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, too bad there's no way to read it on my computer. Duh. But yeah, the, uh, so uh, Sir Jimmy, do you read any comics at all on your technology? No, I. You're not a comic no. guy. You're you're a hippie. Yeah, no, no. Well, on this show, it's the only one, only place you can get away with it. I actually, I, I read on this thing, the iPad Mini. Love it. It's good size. Uh, I prefer it to the iPad just because it's lighter. And there's a She-Hulk right there. Yep. So yeah, it's cool too. So, so Comixology, love Comixology, but Marvel right now has the, the Marvel Unlimited. It's $9.99 a month. So if you were going to go through the back catalog of She-Hulk, Pat, you might... 
like I said before, I, I don't want to take the you know I don't want to take the spoon of food out of uh, Comicsology's mouth. But if you're gonna digest a hundred episodes of uh, She-Hulk, you might want to try the unlimited. It's all you well, can eat. Well, you know, I'm I may have to be a dual citizen because yes, Marvel has all those fantastic story arcs, and I get to do yeah. some catching up. But on the other side, Comixology has Image Comics, they've got IDW, they've got DC, you name it, they have it out there. One of my pet peeves with uh, just digital comics in general is that I go through them too quickly. Maybe it's just me. And I found quickly on, I think episode three of this show, I was talking about and saying, yeah, I just spent like $28 on Comixology in like an hour. <laughs> you know, it's, it's for me, I think they should be more, a little bit more flexible in their pricing. Maybe a back issue should be a quarter, not a dollar, or four for a dollar. I'm just saying, you know, this is, you know, this is digital property that's been sitting there for 70 years. Make a quarter off it, off a million people, yeah. rather than a dollar off a thousand off people. Yeah, but it's also saving me a lot of legwork from one true. shop to another shop. Well, yeah, and, and a lot of the issues that you're reading on Comixology, if you have to hunt them out at a comic book shop, a lot of them are like $28. The next one's $56, and you can get exactly. it for a buck. Yeah. yeah. But check out Marvel Unlimited, All You Can Eat. Yes. I love the All You Can Eat. <sighs> Bye-bye, uh, money. Goodbye. It was nice meeting you. But oh, a fool and her money are soon parted. Speaking of goodbye, goodbye, iPhone. Got my Samsung Galaxy S4 is coming on Friday. Bigger screen, bigger screen. Uh, now, I think at some point I'm going to get rid of one of my tablets. <laughs> <laughs> how many have you got now three four well the, the s4 is five inches so i think i can get rid of my like you know seven and a half inch ipad mini i'm just saying i don't need a five inch a seven and a half inch and i that's what she said well i hear five inches is pretty average paul that's it's not bad <laughs> hey now <laughs> no actually i got the samsung s4 just because of the, the work I do in the print industry and the 13 megapixel camera. Hello. Uh, for Even if you buy it at full price at $600, it's a 13 megapixel camera. It's a really good camera on it. It's got all these features on it. And it's a phone. And I just happened to get it for free with a contract. Just saying. Technology. I, I'm going to miss my iPhone. Though. I got to say, I am going to miss my iPhone. Uh, it's one of my favorite objects of all time. It's good for reading comics on, too, with the retina display. In a pinch, you know, if you're on the subway or you're in the... Well, not in the car. Don't read in the car. Well, in the subway, <laughs> you don't really have a lot of audio. reception either. Audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you listen to your audiobooks on, uh, Pat? It's always on the iPhone. iPhone. Always, always. See, that's a, the good thing about using something like Audible or, or Kindle is that they give you the flexibility to go to other platforms. You can read it on Linux or, you know, your Android or whatever else they come out with next. I... I'm not sure if there's a Windows 8 phone uh, Audible app. Did you hear about the Facebook phone that lasted exactly 32 days? Oh, why not 33? Yeah, you know, you know the, the whole thing with the Facebook thing is they, they got a bunch of people that didn't really use Android and had them program an Android thing, for an Android like user interface for Android users. And I can tell you the coolest thing about Android is having widgets on your screen. You can customize your screen. You can put your, the weather. You, know, you can put your Audible app widget on there so you can always control your Audible app. And the Facebook home uh, user interface removes all that capability 
and hobbles your phone. So they got a bunch of people that don't use Android to build an Android app. Fail, 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 fail. I'm sure that 2.0 is going to be great. It'll spy on well, you twice has, as much. Will it have as many advertisements pushed to your phone? No. Bad. So yeah, I, you um, know, I, I don't know how, how Apple's even staying in business personally. I, <laughs> I can't think of any reason <laughs> where all this market capitalization yeah. is coming See, from. sir, Jamie, I thought I was that guy. You're that guy now, too. You're, you're Captain Picard with 18 tablets around you. In the other room, I have two iPhone 3GSs and an iPhone 1. Still works. Nice. You know, you know and, and sometimes three years later, right, you're like, okay, this is my favorite. This is my book reader. I listen to audiobooks on it. It's fantastic. And then, you know, three years later, oh, there's a new one and it's half the price. I'll get that. And this ends up in a drawer. And I'm realizing now that we're doing the show that I've got all these really cool devices sitting in drawers. Like, I need an extra camera for the studio. Well, an iPhone 3GS. Stick it up. Uh, you're talking about devices sitting in drawers. I mean, look, here's another i two Blackberries, uh, an iPad, iPod Video. Not the Blackberry. Not the Blackberry. Coming up next on this episode of the Gizwiz, <laughs> you look like D Dick DiBartolo there. You're gonna whip out a, like an old 1930 computer or something soon. <laughs> oh, I, I've got one over here. Let me grab it. All right. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here, let me actually. Let's get some photos here. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Is that a brownie? <laughs> yeah, I don't throw anything away. I'm actually, I. a time lord. <laughs> oh, I'm just looking at the book news. World War Z, Pat. Uh, have you? Have any of you uh, read World War Z? No, World I haven't. Z. I tend to I avoid zombies it. all altogether. I have too many dreams oh, about them. Oh, you spoiled it. Well, so, the, the oh, whole right. the whole premise of the book was that. Uh, the author spoke to, his, his intention was to write a book about World War II. And he started interviewing people that actually went through World War II. So the book is actually a series of interviews with people that survived World War II. And what he was writing down was so horrific that he said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make this a zombie apocalypse. So he kind of twisted it. It wasn't the Holocaust. It wasn't all these people dying and things happening. It was, he turned it into a zombie apocalypse. That's why the first time I saw a trailer for World War Z, I said, this has absolute bollocks to do with the book. <laughs> and I'll give him a chance. I'll give him a chance. No, I never know. And then the writer comes out just you know, two days ago and saying, yeah, they kept the title and that's pretty much it. As long as he gets paid, I guess it's okay. Yeah, maybe it'll generate interest in the book itself. No reason why I can't watch the movie and read the book. There you See go. which one's better. Why not? And, and, you know, a couple million dollars for having it turn into a movie is not bad either. It's great exposure. <laughs> it's a great advertisement. <laughs> uh, I could talk to you guys for hours. I think I have. We started recording at, what, 7? What time is it now? N midnight? Well, the pre-show was only an hour and 40 minutes, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have to get going soon. I do have some people who are waiting for me. Well, all you got to do is press this button. That's another week of the Book Guys show. We're going to come back with episode 80, the Doctor Who special, which is being filmed live this Saturday. We'll be back next week with episode 81. Stay tuned. Don't move. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guys show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel.
<laughs> Good girl. Good girl. Hi. Good girl. We're all saying goodnight now. <laughs>